Thank you for listening to audio from Century Baptist Church. To connect with us, visit our website, centurybaptist.org, or download the Century Baptist Church app. Heard a story once of uh, a young soldier uh, who was relatively new to his assignment, a military base down in Texas, and um, was uh, just kind of randomly picked, along with a number of other soldiers, to go and attend um, a, a dinner that was taking place for officers and their wives on that particular base. And so he wandered his way in and uh, found a table where there was an open seat, and he sat down and it just so happened that the, the commanding general of that base was speaking that night, and so he got up uh, to speak, and it was pretty long and boring, and uh, this soldier was just kind of looking around and daydreaming. He's noticing that not a whole lot of people were paying attention, and so he just leans over to the woman next to him, and, and, and he just says, man, what an unbearable, pompous windbag this guy is. And she starts to get really red in the face, and she looks at him, and she goes, young man, do you know who I am? And he goes, no. And she goes, I'm married to the unbearable, pompous windbag. And he looks back at her, and he says, ma'am, do you know who I am? And she says, no. And he goes, oh, good. And he <laughs> run, runs out. <laughs> uh, our words, our words give us away. They, they, they tell a lot uh, about us and what's going on underneath the surface. And so we're going to take a look at that today, uh, continuing in what Jesus began really last week when we uh, took a look at uh, this event where He healed a man who was born blind and who could not speak. And He was accused by the religious elite uh, of uh, having a demon, of doing works uh, by the power of the devil, and Jesus rebukes them for what it is that they had said, and we'll get into that in a minute. Um, but as we take a look at this text today, I want us to pay attention, first of all, of, what, of who Jesus was talking to and what he, the message was that he was trying to get across, but at the same time, there's also this application for us that our words matter. The words that we speak how we speak to others and the things that we proclaim are a direct evidence, Jesus says, of what's going on in the center of our being that's going on in our hearts. Let's stand together. I want to read for you Matthew chapter 12, just verses 33 to 37 as Jesus kind of concludes this teaching. He says this, So either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you're evil? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. The evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word that they speak. For it's by your words that you'll be justified and by your words that you will be condemned. Let's pray. Father, as we, um, as we enter into just this time of, of digging a little bit deeper uh, into what it is that, that you've given to us through your Holy Spirit, we just ask, Father, that, that real truth would, would be proclaimed, that you would guide me and my words, and you would guide all of us as we listen to you 
and what it is that you would have us do because of this. We do proclaim you as Lord and Savior. Uh, we hold high the authority of your word. It, it changes our lives by what we read and through your power of the Holy Spirit working through it. Do a great work in us today, God, in your name. Amen. You can have a seat. <clears throat> so as I said, today's text is really, a, it's a continuation. It's not a, a standalone. A lot of times we, we want to try to just pull this out. It's a pretty popular verse, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, but it comes in the context of a greater story. It's Jesus basically saying to these religious leaders and these Pharisees, is, I know what you're thinking. I know what's in your hearts. Now I just want to hear it. Because you cannot proclaim something good. Uh, because I know that your hearts are evil and your words, as we even talked about last week, and Jesus concludes with this text, your words will condemn you. So be careful what you say. Our hearts determine our choices. It comes out in our words. Jesus has already set the stage for this conversation and this altercation that he has with, uh, with these Pharisees. Back in chapter 7 uh, and in verse 15 and the verses following, he warned everybody. He talked a lot about trees and fruit. It's actually a theme that runs from the beginning of Scripture uh, to the end of Scripture. But Jesus had warned the people about false prophets. So he had already given them an awareness. He was being really called a false prophet by the Pharisees, but Jesus had already addressed, here's how you know a false prophet. You'll know them by their fruit. They, they don't produce good fruit. The fruit that they produce is bad. And he says a healthy tree will always produce good fruit. And an unhealthy tree or a, a bad tree will always produce bad fruit. And so here we are five chapters later, and it hadn't sunk into them yet. They were, in a way, saying, as we talked about last week, well, you're doing good things, so there's good fruit. But Jesus, you're a bad tree, right? You're, you're under the power of the devil. And Jesus, if you were, if you were here last week, and in the, the, the text previous uh, to this, Jesus says, it's impossible. Bad trees produce bad fruit. Good trees produce good. Bad trees cannot produce good fruit. It, it just doesn't work that way. The devil wouldn't fight against the devil. The devil would not drive out the devil. He's trying to expand his kingdom, fight against God's kingdom. And so Jesus is saying, once again, he's saying, obviously, I've proven to you. I'm here to expand God's kingdom. I'm the Messiah. I'm the Savior. You have to accept that. And so that's what he does in verse 33. He's, he's calling them out. He's going, okay, guys, so let's let the rubber meet the road. Either call me good or call me bad. You have to decide, but, but Jesus is saying, but I want to hear it. I want to hear you confess it. I want to hear you proclaim it in front of all of these people. Because we know that Jesus never really did things in isolation. Wherever he was and Pharisees were coming after him, his disciples were around. There were usually hundreds of people around. There's a lesson that's being taught here. And Jesus is saying in front of all these people, I want to hear it. Am I good or am I evil? Based on everything that we have uh, that you've seen and that I've explained to you, and he's demanding a declaration of who he is. Scripture actually tells us that that's what God requires of us. You have got to declare Christ as Lord. 
as king over your life. Say what it is that you truly believe in your hearts. So he's calling these leaders to determine in their hearts really what they know in their heads. He's doing good stuff. And if he's doing good stuff, that has to mean that he is who he says he is. But they, they won't say it. They hadn't let, as we talked about last week, they hadn't let the knowledge sink into their hearts. And Jesus says, oh, but there's another part that is in that connection, and it's your mouth. So I want to hear it. Even though he knows, he goes, but I know you're not going to say it. Why? Because your hearts are evil. You would never allow yourself to be humbled and to, to say you were wrong and to admit that there might be someone in front of you that's greater than you. Which is really the reason why so many people refuse to accept Jesus for who He is. Because they know that they have to humble themselves and surrender. Jesus says in John 15, 5, I'm the vine, you're the branches. In other words, I'm the tree, you're the branches, and the way that you bear fruit is that I give you the ability. I give you the life. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we give you what it is that you need to be able to live this life, to do what it is that you're called to do, to go and to bear fruit. So abide in me. That's the command. Abide in me. And Jesus is saying, I know you'll never do that to the Pharisees. To abide means that you have to trust in Him. To depend on His truth and believe that, that He is always looking out for your best interests. And He's going to lead us and guide us. And, and then all that we do is under His power. That's what makes what we do good. Because His seal of approval is on it. And as we always talk about here, when we, when we take a text, we, we then have to look at all of Scripture in its entirety and where it fits. And I find it extremely interesting that as we talk about trees and fruit, it takes us right back to the beginning of Scripture, Genesis chapter 2. God creates the world, the universe, creates man and woman and puts them in this garden. And what does He say? He says, enjoy it all. It's my gift to you. It's all here for you. It's my blessing to you. Uh, you, can, you can have it all. I, I care about you. I love you. I want to spend time with you. He just says, but, but just recognize that there's one tree right in the center that I don't want you to eat the fruit of. Fruit and trees. There's a, um, a Scottish theologian named Sinclair Ferguson that I think has a, a great perspective that I was reading and studying and trying to First of all, make it make sense in my head so that I could proclaim it. And I love his perspective on what takes place in Genesis 3 and the effect that it has on all of us then today. He says, when, when God gave this command not to eat of the tree, it wasn't because he just desired, like, I gotta, I gotta have control over them somehow. I gotta, I gotta demand something of them. What it was, was God's way of, of man understanding that you can trust me that I'm going to give you everything that you need for your life to be joy-filled, to live the life that I've created you to live in. But I am going to give you the choice to trust me or not. So he provides this tree in the middle. So don't eat of it. By not eating of that tree is your way of saying that you do believe who I am, that you do trust me. It wasn't just about obedience or not obedience or this is the way for, for sin to enter into the world. It was... It was just God's way of, of, in His divine 
wisdom and knowledge and his plan of saying, do you trust me? And so along comes the enemy. We know Satan comes along and since he's the father of lies and confusion, he starts to to feed the confusion to Eve, right? He comes along and what does he say? It's deception, right? Uh, Sends her mind into a tailspin. He says, does God, did God really tell you that you can't actually eat the fruit of any of these trees? Well, it's not what God said. He said, don't eat of the one. But, But Satan says, is it really true that God says that, that you can't, that you can enjoy uh, all of this? Does he not want? What's, what's, he, what's he holding you back from? And Eve says, no, 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 no. He didn't say that. He said that I just can't eat of that tree. The focus from the enemy, which then the focus from man was, I'm going to focus on the things that I'm not allowed to do. Right? And we all know that. We, we learned that really early on as young kids. We're told not to do something. Boy, when mom and dad leave the house, right? i got to find out why. There must be something to that. So then um, Satan has this conversation with her and he brings in more lies and deceptions. You know, you know the reason why he doesn't want you to eat of that tree is that, is that he knows that if you do, then you're going to become like him. And... Um, don't you want to be like him? Like, don't you, don't you think that you deserve uh, to have all of the knowledge? Don't you think that you deserve to understand what this entire universe is all about? Do you really think that if he really loves you the way that he, that he claims to when he comes and meets with you and walks with you in the garden, do you really think that he, if he's holding out on you, if he's saving something from you, don't you want to know what that is? Absolutely, right? She, she buys into it, and Adam and Eve, and they, they eat of the fruit. He, the way that he got to them was to put distrust in their hearts. You know, if you obey God, boy, you're going to miss out on what seems to be the best part of life. And all that ultimately God wants you to, Ferguson says, this is really an attack on God's care and His integrity and his character. The results, and in a sense that maybe God doesn't really care about us. Maybe he really doesn't love us. Maybe he doesn't have my best interests at heart. Maybe he doesn't want me to be fully happy if he's holding out on me, if he doesn't let me understand the why. And so from the beginning of time, we've had this seed planted in our mind that, that God isn't giving us everything that we deserve more that he's not really loving and caring fully but that that love and that care uh, really depends on my obedience right that that's the mindset then that we get so ferguson says we we develop a mindset that god is is more like a um, like a a ruthless lawgiver right that that he that he has blessings that he wants to give us, but he holds them tightly. And the only way we're going to get them out of his hands is by, by activity, doing good. That the, the more good that we do, it's like one finger opens and a little blessing falls out on us. And that's the only way that we can get into God's good graces is just by a lot of really great performance and activity. And so instead of trusting him and his word and leaning into him, um, believing in him that he has our best interests in mind, we just think that we've got to 
perform. It's called legalism. That's the term for it. It's, it's our minds leading us, not our hearts. That God's not happy with us unless we do all the right things. So do more good things. And Jesus says you can't do good things with a belief like that because good things don't come out of bad hearts. It's the heart that needs to be transformed. It's the trust in who God is. It's a belief that He always has our best interests at heart. And this is what Jesus is calling out in the Pharisees. You are living, breathing, preaching legalists. You do not understand really truly who God is and how He operates. And Jesus is living proof that they're wrong. I am here not because of anything you've done. I'm here because of the grace of God. Because He saw a world in desperate need that was trying so hard to please Him and not realizing and not understanding by letting His Word abide in them and that, that you can't do anything to please God. That's why Jesus had to come and lay down His life to glorify the Father that we would truly understand how incredible God is, that He does provide, that He always does have our best interests in mind. And so Jesus says, I'm here, I'm proof. The kingdom is expanding because of me. I do good things because my power comes from a good God. So make the choice, gentlemen. That's really what he's saying. Say it. Or get out of my way. Am I good or am I not? And he makes it really clear. He says, I know, I know you're never going to admit who I am because I know your hearts. And a rotten heart can't speak good words. Because our heart discloses our character. So Jesus gets a little upset with them. You brood of vipers. Now I understand, we read in Revelation chapter 3, this is what I love. We're called to imitate Christ. So if we read this, we're like, okay, so I can go around and I can yell and scream at people for, you know, uh, for, for being terrible people. That's not it at all. That's not the example that he's setting. Because Revelation chapter 3 says he reproves who? Those that he loves. Even though, even though they saw themselves as enemies of Christ. Even though they would be responsible ultimately on this earth for Jesus' death. Scripture proves true, right? And Scripture says he reproves and rebukes those that he loves. He still has a great love for all of mankind. He died for all of mankind. There, there still could be hope for these men. Even though, as we talked about last week, they've already spoken out against the Holy Spirit, right? And, and claiming that it, He was the devil. But Jesus rebukes those that he, that he loves and He rebukes them here. He says, you brood of vipers, you you." Children of snakes is really what it is. Children of the, the father of snakes. So you can imagine what John the Baptist actually called them that as well. Back in Matthew chapter 3. In other words, you sons of Satan. You're doing 
incredibly evil work, doing exactly what he did there. Really, what he's saying is you're doing exactly the same work that he did back in the garden. Trees, snakes, and you're doing evil work. You're just the next generation of it, thinking that you know better than God. And I'm calling you to declare who I am, but I know you won't because I know what's going on in your hearts. I don't actually expect that you're going to admit it because our hearts have been so calloused with power and control, jealousy and fear that it would be impossible to surrender to Christ because in order to come to Christ, you have got to be humbled. And the way that we're humbled is to acknowledge who He is, Lord. And so Jesus makes His profound truth known. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Right? I know, I know what's going on in your heart. He knew what they were thinking. He said, I know what's going on in your heart because of the way that you talk. I hear what you say. I hear how you preach. I hear how you teach. I hear how you tear people down when they don't get things right according to you. Last week we talked about the connection between the heart and the mind. and Jesus just adds another body part here. He said in between the two, where it all comes out is the mouth. So what you store up in your heart, the overflow that, that, that comes of what you know uh, declares everything about who you are, your identity. John chapter 8, Jesus again is having this confrontation with the Pharisees. And he says, anybody who abides in me, again, it's I'm the tree, you're the branches, the way that you get life is through me, and the only way that you produce good fruit is from me, and the way that you do that is you have to abide in me. I give you what it is that you need, your ability to produce fruit. And they respond to him. They're like, well, almost like, well, I don't know if you know us, but we're actually the offspring of Abraham. That's where we get our life. That's where we get our identity. That's why we do what it is that we do. And Jesus says, well, I, I know you're the offspring of Abraham, but man, you sure don't act like him because all of your actions are, are evil. You want to kill me. He said, you want to kill me. My words find no place in your hearts. You don't abide in me. You're trusting in now a name rather than trusting in me dwelling within you. And he says, the reason you want to do these evil works is because, well, because my words haven't sunk into your hearts. If you were truly Abraham's children, then you would be doing good things. If God was your father, you would love me, but you don't because you refuse to let his word sink into your hearts. So that would make you then not the offspring of Abraham. Ultimately, you make you the offspring of the devil. You brood of vipers. He's a liar, and you just continue to do his work because my word does not dwell in your hearts. I can't say that enough. God's word needs to dwell in our hearts. The word, Jesus Christ himself, dwell in our hearts. And Jesus says the way that that's made known is from the words that come out of your mouth. It's just easy evidence. 
they prove that, that they're still stubborn and hard of hearts because in that conversation, uh, it doesn't hit them, it doesn't sink in at all. Their response is, it's almost, it's almost comedic how, how uh, they just refuse to hear it because their response to this incredible rebuke should have been, forgive us, teach us the way, show us the way. But their response is, so you didn't answer the question, you have a demon, right? I mean, that, that's, that was their response. And that's, that's what Jesus is calling out. Hard hearts against the truth of Scripture. The good person then, Jesus says, is not good because he does good things. According to his teaching in John, it's what makes a person good is a heart that is overflowing in truth. A heart that trusts his word. A heart that rests in, depends upon Christ, abides in for life. And lets Jesus fill it up. And then out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. I mean, you think about a teapot. You put water and it starts to boil. It's filled up. There's a lot going on under the surface. But when it reaches its peak, when there's no more room for that steam, it's got to come out. And it comes out loud. And... And we can, we can take this and apply it to our own lives or the people around us. Is that there's a lot that's going on in our, in our own souls, in our minds, and in our hearts, and in this world. And a great telltale sign of knowing people who trust in God and have peace that God's in control of this world and He's got our best interests in mind is that when everything is bubbling up inside, that the overflow of that is praise and worship and joy and prayers and trust and passages of Scripture that they've buried deep down and they speak words of peace over people. But those that don't really trust in God, when the stuff of this world starts to bubble up, and it starts to boil, it comes out in just an annoying teapot scream. Right? And we can, we, can, we can add a lot more to that. What is it that we're filling our hearts up with? If you would sit down, and we just pair up, and we'd cross from each other, and, hey, tell me about your life, and tell me the things that you love, and, and just, just share with me. We get to know each other. We would find out very quickly what we each have stored up in our hearts because those are the things that we talk about. Guard your heart for it is what? It is the wellspring of life. It is the identification that Christ is alive and well and His Word dwells deeply in our hearts. What do you fill your heart with? Truth or lies? Romans 10 Tells us that the heart and the mouth are connected actually for salvation. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. You believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. There is a connection. You receive the knowledge. We read who Jesus is and why it is that He needed to come. We read that that we're sinners in need of a Savior. And we see Jesus as the Savior. And it says, so if you believe that deep in your hearts, then God says, I want to hear it. Proclaim it. Say it. Confess it. Say that I'm Lord because I want to hear out of the overflow of your heart who it is that you believe that I am. 
The Pharisees saw the good works that Jesus did. They had to admit from basically just Jesus' teaching that, okay, He's doing good works. And if we admit that He's doing good works, Jesus said, then you have to admit that I'm, that I'm the Savior, that I'm God. But their prideful, sinful hearts, what? It, it kept them from actually confessing it, actually proclaiming it. James says in chapter 2, verse 19, he said, look, even demons believe that Jesus is Lord. But they, they, won't, they won't proclaim it. It doesn't flow out of the abundance of their hearts. They won't let it sink in. And so Jesus says, and what you say that comes out of your heart will determine your conclusion or where you will spend eternity. Because I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word that they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. This might not be necessarily the the main idea or point of what Jesus was getting at, but, but let me just kind of make it really simple for all of us today. Solomon said, as I mentioned, Proverbs 4.23, that we need to guard our hearts because it's out of the overflow of our hearts' life. Out of the heart flows everything that we do or say. An easy measure of what's going on in our hearts is what we do and what comes out of our mouths. Oftentimes, though, I, I admit I'm... I've been guilty of this a number of times when our kids were younger. Um, we, we taught our kids uh, to uh, make good choices, right? You say that before you send them off to school, make good choices. And we would scold our kids if they would ever use bad words, right? But when they're really little, what do we know about children? We know that, that they're, they're, they just are repeating what it is that they've heard. They don't necessarily know what it is that they're saying. And so another good reason, parents... Guard your mouths, right? Watch your hearts. Watch what it is you say, because you say, your kids will say it. We've all probably had the experience where they'll say it at the worst time for you to ruin your life in front of people. Um, but, but then when our, we tell our kids to, you know, we just teach them we don't say those kinds of words in our home. And then when those words are said, then we discipline them and we get after them. And the reason that we do that and do it in, in that manner is because we don't actually apply this scripture to our lives. When's the last time that your children maybe said something that they weren't supposed to say? Maybe they lied. Maybe they uh, repeated something that they saw and something that they had watched, whatever it is. Maybe we can even say, when's the last time you scolded a spouse for the words that they used? But all we're getting at is, hey, we don't talk like that. But what we don't get, it, get, get to is, why? So we send our kids to their room like Ralphie with a bar of soap in his mouth, right? Suck on that for a while. Maybe then that'll teach you to not talk that way. But we're not getting to the core issue that, that Jesus was even talking about. He said, the words that are coming out of your mouth are not the issue. The words that come out of your mouth are a, are a sign, are just evidence of what's going on inside of your heart. So maybe next time that we don't just, whatever, send our kids away and discipline them. Well, I'm not going to talk to you because I don't want to hear you talk like that. Don't ever do that. You're grounded. Taking away your phone. All of that. So we sit them down and go, Hey, let, I want to talk about, is Jesus Lord over your heart? 
Do you really truly believe who he is? And, and do you really truly believe that, that he wants to give you nothing but the best? That he's rescued you, redeemed you, and he is alive and well in your heart if you have confessed him, if you believe who he is, and are you letting him work? And are you filling then? Are you, are, are you taking where Jesus dwells and, and are you making it such a place that it actually fits who he is, right? Or, or, or do you put him in there and then kind of decorate the apartment with, with trash, right? That, that's so often what we do. Jesus be Lord of my, over my life, but then we love the things of this world. And then is it any wonder that because Jesus says sooner or later, one, he says, God always knows, but people are going to know. And they're going to know by how you talk, plain and simple, and how you speak. What we need to understand is we're not called to, to make morally good offspring, right? We are called to unleash image bearers of Jesus Christ out into the world to go and make disciples. And the only way that they can do that is if Jesus is actually real to them, dwelling in their hearts. And they have so much joy over how they understand what He's done for them, how He's looking out for them, how, he's, how He has blessed us in a million ways. They say, I, for all of us, I cannot contain it anymore. I've got to get out there and I have got to tell people about who Jesus is. So Jesus says on the day of judgment, everyone's going to give an account for every careless word that gets spoken. Idle words. In other words, words that, that come out without even thinking about it. And it's not, he's not saying that so when you stand before the Father on judgment day, he's going to go, well, let's get out your list of words that you said and this is going to determine whether or not. No, we, we have to see it in its context. Jesus says your words are just the evidence of really what's going on in your heart. And, and if you're if your careless word, the words that you don't even think about are, are, are evil, then that, then that shows what's going on in your heart when it sits, even when you're not even having to think about things. Who you truly, really are when you're sitting idle. And that will determine, basically, was Jesus Lord or was He not? Did you not just believe that he existed, believe that he came to this world, believe that he died on the cross, but it actually changed you. That you let him come in and flush out all of the dark that was packed in there of sin. Did you let him wash it away? But your words will be a telltale sign if you did. Watch even, Jesus says, even the smallest of words that you speak because it reveals your heart. Pay attention. It's a great question to ask yourself. Man, why did I say that? Why did I let that come out of my mouth? And then you step back and you're like, Lord, would you reveal to me? Would you show me? Where, where, what, what room, what compartment of my heart have I not let you in yet? That I actually haven't let you be Lord over. That 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 ugliness just came out. That that lie about you came out. That, that those words of gossip about others came out. What's going on in my heart, Jesus? And he says, uh, 
says, you just ask and I'll, I'll, I'll go in. You open that door. I'll, I'll, I'll take care of it. I'll clean it out. 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Your words are the proof of the condition of what's going on underneath. In one of Aesop's fables, he tells of a, a donkey. Aesop uh, talked a lot about animals that kind of had human personality, but there's a donkey that felt like he got no respect in this village that he was in. Um, all the children were always kind of poking him and smacking him and running away and he kind of got a bit of an Eeyore mentality, the woe is me. And one day he's out walking by himself and he came across a lion skin that had been laid out by some hunters who'd hunted a lion and they had it out to dry to make it into probably a rug. And the donkey got the idea to put that skin on. And, and he puts on the lion skin and he goes and he w- starts walking through the village. And the people lose their minds everybody's running away, children are crying, the animals are scattering, and he's pretty proud of himself. He's like, I finally have power. Yeah, I finally get to, to some payback for all that these people have done to me. And, and, and it starts to build in him this pride and this excitement. And, and all of a sudden, the people standing from afar see this lion uh, rise up, open his mouth, and his owner comes running and throws a rope around his neck and starts cursing him out and dragging him out he's i'm gonna take care of you right for what you've done and the people are screaming and yelling and as as this donkey's being dragged back to his home he passes by this small fox that said oh your words gave you away that's what jesus says your words give you away. They declare exactly what's going on in your heart. Do you speak truth? What's going on beneath the outward show in your life? Is Jesus king? Is that the message, the number one message that you proclaim? Because that's the number one focus that we're supposed to have in our lives. And that helps us then to go and to make disciples. Let's pray. Jesus, you are incredible. God, your patience with us, people throughout history, is, uh, is humbling to us. Your patience just with me is humbling. Thank you, God, for how much you love us and care about us. Even when we fail to fully understand you, and in the moments when we fail to trust you and trust in who you are, you sent your son to show us how to live, a life to imitate, more importantly, a life to receive, to change our hard hearts into good hearts. And out of that, may we bear really good fruit. Help us, Father, to watch our hearts. And then out of it, that we just proclaim really great things on our testimony and how we speak to others, and even in this moment as we worship you. In your name, amen. Let's stand and close in worship.